Hey there, AJ Cordero here, a co-host on the Hockey Flow. I've been podcasting since 2007, and I've seen many changes over the years. But the best one has been the introduction of Anchor. And here's why. It's because it's easy and it's free. Seriously, I've spent so much time, money, and effort to get something at this level back in the day. Now, with a push of a few buttons, all that time, money, and energy are spent producing the show rather than distributing it. Now, you might not think you need a podcast, and hey, maybe you don't. But don't think of a podcast just as a way to get your news, sports, and entertainment fixes. It can be a way to tell your family's stories, shine a light on your hobbies and communities, go in-depth for a love of your team, or discuss how to change the world. The possibilities are limitless. Anchor provides creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. They also distribute your podcast so you can be heard on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and every player that supports an RSS feed. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum requirement on the size of your audience. Don't waste a second. Download the free Anchor app on your smartphone today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do it. Seriously. The world is waiting to hear your story. This is the Hockey Flow. It's a show about everything that happens on the ice. And of course, your guides are Marco D'Amico and Adam Boucher. You can find their work at scrimmageandstats.com at The Hockey Expert. That's for Marco's work. And of course, Adam, you can follow him on Twitter at ReallyAdamB. I'm AJ Cordero. I bring all the action behind the scenes. But of course, let's bring it all up to the front, past the bench, and bring you right into this rink and bring you right onto the scene of where we are talking about today, which is all the crazy trades, the NHL draft, all of that good stuff. So let's go right into it. Uh, boys, let's start off with trades because there were lots of trades, lots of buyouts, free agency, lots of stuff to talk about. So where do we want to start off with? What's the most um, exciting thing that happened? Duclair? Duclair is exciting, I guess. Yeah. Until December. And- so they're not going to resign him. They just announced that. Yeah, they're not. Uh, um, they refused to qualify him because his salary demands were too high. That's right. Anyway, we should actually tell you, this is Anthony Duclair of the Ottawa Senators, if you did not know. Pierre Dorian coming out yesterday saying that he was acting as his own agent and the team offered him a substantial raise and then, uh, but that didn't really turn him. So he's been, he'll be handing to free agency essentially. Yeah, this is not someone that I feel is necessarily going to get what he wants. It's as simple as that. He's unfortunately never really played a full season in hockey, has questionable character I don't personally like him either growing up with him in Laval. Um, he's now going to be on his Rangers, Coyotes, Blackhawks, uh, Columbus, sixth team in four years, in five years. Um, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, we saw him putting up a couple of goals uh, last year with Ottawa, but I think the major issue here is, as you said, is maybe his character would type of player he's in the room, maybe not as much on the ice, maybe more off the ice. Mm. Um, still at a reasonable cap, maybe someone's going to take a chance on him. Right. But where are you going to get the guaranteed playing time that he was going to get in Ottawa? Right. Like he's, he had no competition for that top six winger spot because he, all their kids are still growing. I doubt that Tim Stutzla, uh, Sanderson, or any of the players they drafted this year uh, or last year to a degree jump ship to play for them uh, in the upcoming season. So there was ample opportunity for him to sign a one-year deal, uh, show everybody that he's not just a you know a flash in the pan 
every first half of the season and when the games get tight, he disappears. But unfortunately, he's done that two years in a row now, uh, once with the the Senators and again uh, with the Columbus Blue Jackets. So, look, I mean, every single time he was given the best opportunity to produce, he did and then fell off a cliff. I, I don't see teams giving him what he wants. No, I agree with that one. Um, should we jump to, to the flurry? Not getting yes. trading? trading yes, part? not yet. <laughs> not Why yet? not? Not yet. We'll see. But so yeah, we, flurry did not get we, traded, everybody. Oh, sorry. We, sorry. I thought you meant we shouldn't start talking about it. <laughs> All right, and, sorry. Yeah, so we saw Robin Leonard getting his uh, contract extension and Flurry not getting traded at the draft. So... Um, should we just jump in that crazy goalie market we're going to see this year in free agency and RFAs and all, all that stuff? Well, I mean, there there's a few things of, of note, I think, uh, that will lead. Well, Corey Crawford, yeah, right? Like there's, there's, I mean, Corey Crawford. Uh, if we look at the buyouts as well, there's Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, to me, I think the best goalie on the market right now, uh, cost per, per performance, is probably Braden Holtby, um, whom I believe will sign somewhere and instantly become the number one goaltender of that team. No ifs, ands, or buts. Um, then you throw in, you know, Jakob Markstrom, Markstrom. who still hasn't signed. Like, yeah. I, Vancouver's playing with fire here if they think that they can just get, like, a 1B goalie and that Thatcher Demko can take them the rest of the way. I think, you know, we've seen players do very well in small spurts in the playoffs. Montreal Canadiens fans should also take heed of this, thinking that Kakaniemi and Suzuki are their top two centers uh, as early as next year. Um, slow your roll. Take it down a notch. You need to ensure that you have some form of stability in that transition. I think the Carolina, uh, sorry, I think the Vancouver Canucks are hurting themselves by letting whom I believe to be a top five goalie last season, go to unrestricted free agency. But now it's really much looking like he is not going to re-sign uh, with, the, uh, with the Vancouver Canucks. So we have Anton Kudabin that's hitting the market, Thomas Grice, Cam Talbot, Jimmy Howard, Corey Crawford, Braden Holby, Henrik Lundqvist. That's Mike Smith as well. Corey Schneider was just bought out as well. Worth noting, possible backup. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of guys, man. Um, and I still stand by what I say. I prefer trading a late third round pick for the seeing the Canadians going to get a Jake Allen than having to give these guys similar money. What all these goaltenders are going to demand two year contracts. And that's just a no go for me because I, I think Caden Primo can play for Montreal as soon as 2021. And I think it's worth noting that uh, so Crawford got bought, up, bought out and they still haven't signed Subban, who's a. Uh, He's a UFA, so as of now, they have no goalies, right? So they, they have to go out and get one of those free agents. Otherwise, they're, they're stuck with what they had in the AHL, right? Yeah, absolutely. I just, it's, it's going to be completely volatile. I feel like there's a lot of teams that will potentially try to move stuff around so that they can allow something like this to happen uh, or to, to pluck out a goalie here or there. Um, I know there are some teams that are looking for two goalies, uh, you know, Calgary, uh, potentially looking at a team that would be looking at two goalies if they trade Riddick. Um, there's also right now a large market from when we're hearing from Bill Zito, uh, for, uh, Spencer Knight, 
who was drafted 13th overall last year. So it seems like teams are aware that the condensed schedule is going to make it so that they're going to need two good caliber goalies, if not two potential number one goalies uh, to, to really make it into the playoffs without worry. Uh, so, you know, you're looking at teams right now, a lot of teams are going to focus on goalie first. I wouldn't be surprised if we see more goalies than big fish going uh, at the beginning of free agent frenzy tomorrow. Yep. And I think we should jump in now to maybe where we think Taylor Hall with, because we, we didn't see his rights traded um, at the draft. Uh, when you say Marco, where do you think Taylor Hall could land uh, um, as soon as tomorrow? Elliot Friedman was on the radio today saying that the three likely, or sorry, Darren Dreger uh, was on the radio today saying that the three likeliest spots were surprise, surprise Montreal uh, for the rest of the shock value, Nashville and Columbus. Those were the three teams that seemed the most interested in Taylor Hall as early as today. Um, we know for a fact the Canadians will make an offer to Taylor Hall, uh, but I'm expecting it to be similar to a Matt Duchesne scenario where there is interest from the winger. The Canadians are on the cusp of having something solid from a core perspective. And honestly, I see him going to Nashville. I think if we look at what Nashville's done in the last 24 hours, they bought out um, Kyle Turris. So that saved them about, yeah. what, $4 million? Santini as well. So, yeah, Santini is like a $40,000 cap. It didn't even count. They just got rid of yeah. him because they needed the contract spot. Um, and then they also traded Nick Benino and got Luke Coonan. I didn't understand that trade from the Minnesota Wild. But it was not signed yet. Coonan? Yeah, but he's a restricted Coonan, free agent. Yeah. There's no worry. There's no worry. I believe, yeah. uh, I believe he was qualified by the, by the Wild before even being traded. So we'll see. Um, but you know, it's ideal because they definitely need, uh, scoring and strength up the middle. Like anybody that goes to look at Nashville's, uh, cap friendly page, you know, this is a team that probably would be best to avoid throwing all their money on another aging free agent, not aging. He's obviously young for his age to be a free, uh, an unrestricted free agent. But again, they're going to be throwing money, uh, hoping that this guy saves them, right? So now you're going to have a scenario where you have Duchesne earning $8 million, whom they were rumored to be shopping. Uh, you have Ryan Johansson, who's making $8 million. Um, thankfully, Philip Forsberg's earning his paycheck at $6 million. Then you're going to throw in Taylor Hall, who's easily going to want 7 to $8 million. Yeah. I, look, um, Nashville gets away with signing free agents because they're in a no-tax zone. Uh, being in the state of Tennessee. So they're able to sign guys like Duchesne to $8 million and they get the best of both worlds with the the tax benefits of being in Tennessee and the tax deductions of being a Canadian citizen in the United States. So, you know, he, the, the taxing is lower because their signing bonuses are taxed actually at 15% flat and their salary is taxed to the local salary because they play in, in Nashville. So there's always going to be that advantage. Now, Will Taylor Hall want to play with one of his buddies uh, in Matt Duchesne? We'll see. Personally speaking, if I'm Taylor Hall and they're able to make room, I would seriously consider playing for the Columbus Blue Jackets and Tortorella. That's me. I think that they proved to a lot of people that despite absolutely going for it last year, they had 
the core pieces in place uh, to be an effective team. Now, if and only if Columbus can move more money, uh, will this happen? I don't. I don't see it happening. I don't think that they're going to have the ability to free up the cap space they need. They just freed up four point five million today by buying out Alex Wenberg, uh, but they're sitting at six point two million total, and they have Pierre Luc Dubois uh, to resign uh, as well as uh, Gavrikov and a few other restricted free agents. I don't think Pierre Luc Dubois is worth $6.2 million. Uh, million is not enough for Pierre-Luc Dubois alone. Uh, so I don't know if that'll work. Uh, I think that if they do sign Taylor Hall, they set themselves up for a Pierre-Luc Dubois offer sheet. And that's just not good business because if they reach the cap, they can only go 10% higher, which means they wouldn't even be able to match if, say, a team like, I don't know, uh, any team needing a desperately needing a first line center. I don't know if the New York Rangers showing up and throwing $8 million at Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, in an offer sheet, you know, I, they wouldn't even be able to match it. They would have to move salary in order just to keep him. So it, it, it wouldn't make sense. Uh, I don't see it. And, Go ahead. And they, they just signed Domi, right? At 5.3 cap. Yeah. Hit. Yeah. So uh, we can get back on that trade after, but yeah. yeah. I, and, and again, w- you're killing your flexibility as a franchise because now they've signed Domi for two years. Wierenski's deal ends in two years. I believe so does Seth Jones. Um, they're setting themselves up for a huge core rehaul uh, if they're not careful. And Yarmo Kekalainen is playing with fire, in my opinion. So I wouldn't continue playing with fire by going after Taylor Hall. I think, you know, like a lot of GMs are doing now, be prudent. There's a flat cap for two to three years. Um, make sure you keep your core pieces in place first, then add to them. And even the rumor of Hall going to Montreal, I, I don't see how they could offer more than seven million. Well, I think because they, they have just over they yeah. just they have just we Montreal has over 10 just over 10 million cap space next year, right? Yeah. And they still have Anderson to sign who's going to ask for probably three to four million, yeah. Um, So then you have left, you have 6.5 to 7 million left without moving anyone else, right? Yeah, but you also have 13 signed forwards for next year. So naturally, if they're going to sign Taylor Hall, a forward is, is leaving, right? It's, that's the way I see it. So if, if they turn around and sign a Taylor Hall, is, does it mean that a Thomas Tatar, whose salary cap, hit is quite attractive at $4.8 million considering he's a, he's looking to be a 60 to 70 point player. Um, could that then help the Canadians perhaps bolster another position, gain some assets, or would they move someone that's lower on the, on the, on the depth chart? Like if they went to get uh, a guy like Josh Anderson, uh, does that make Armia expendable? Um, does that make Lekin inexpendable? Does that mean that Paul Byron, Byron at is some there point. a market for Paul yeah. Byron? So there's a lot of moving pieces that could be had here. There's a lot of teams that are just looking to see what they can do, but are a little afraid. I think once the dominoes stop falling on the free agent front and teams strike out and strike out, I think you're going to start seeing trades at the same time. And ultimately, I think to, to, to end that cap uh, discussion for Montreal, I think if they package, um, if they trade a forward to get to go get Hall, I think they would have to package uh, Victor Mete, right? His rights, at least. Just given they just re-signed Jules into a 700K deal, yeah. which is a pretty fair deal for a year, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. I thought he was going to ask for a million, 
Honestly, I thought that it would cost the Habs $2 million to retain Jake Evans and Noah Yulson. Uh, and I've, I'm off uh, by seven uh, 600000 It's only costing them one point four. So that's really good. Um, so we'll see. And it's a really, it's really his last shot to really prove himself or like to stay healthy at least yeah. and try to make a spot in, in, in the lineup for next year. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, look, it's, it's going to be something. I think tomorrow we're going to see as many trades as we do signings. I think that I think tomorrow might be quite something. Um, yeah. Especially given all those free agents and as we said, just the cap space for not many teams can, can go ahead and sign that many free agents right, right as of now. So we're going to have to see some moves for sure. Absolutely. Um, and another point I wanted to touch on before we move on was that, that Tampa, Tampa Bay situation again with the cap space. Yeah. Um, so we're hearing a lot of rumors about Sergeyev and Sorelli getting offer sheeted, right? Mm-hmm. And that's another team I think that really has to move, that could potentially move tomorrow. Um, we saw them ask Tyler Johnson to, to not waive his no movement, but to expand his list of teams, right? So that's possibly one that, that could get traded tomorrow. Yeah, and as we were talking about uh, Columbus probably needing to trade someone to make space, we have a trade to announce. The Columbus Blue Jackets. Nah. Trade, 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 trade. <laughs> this is our, this is this how much exactly how much we can afford for sound effects. I just have to do them on the fly. That was, that was that was something. I love you, AJ. That was amazing. Um, so Marcus Nutivara, defenseman for the uh, for the Columbus Blue Jackets. This is a puzzling deal for me, but Marcus Nutivara, who I believe is a great uh, value contract at two point seven million dollars for a guy that could potentially be a number four, number five, uh, traded uh, to the Florida Panthers for Cliff Poo. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Cliff Poo is literally thrown into every deal involving uh, <laughs> someone who is traded just for the hell of it. Um, he was involved in the uh, the Skinner trade from Buffalo to Carolina, and now he finds himself at the butt end of a deal of a, of a salary cap dump in Marcus Nutavara. Now, for those of you that are like, well, what, what's the point? Um, Nutavara is a right defenseman. Uh, that allows them to really round out their their D. I still think they're in the market for a left defenseman as well. I don't think Florida's done here, uh, but this is a solid grab uh, and an easy cap dump for them to absorb. Uh, he's still very young, 26 years of age, um, and he's got this year and next year uh, at $2.7 million capped hit. So that's really good, uh, if you ask me. I think that's a, a pretty solid deal. Uh, but the connection here that a lot of people don't know is that the GM of Florida is Bill Zito, whom up until about a month ago was the assistant GM of the Columbus Blue Jackets. So we often see this uh, in Montreal Canadiens fans, Winnipeg Jets fans, Florida Panthers fans in the past uh, prior to Bill Zito being GM uh, and the Chicago Blackhawks have intermingled former Blackhawks players amongst themselves because they're part of that unit that, that grew into the dynasty that was the management team of the uh, Chicago Blackhawks at the early point of the decade. Uh, well, you're seeing it in Columbus now where Bill Zito goes and gets a player that he was in love with when he was in Columbus uh, to shore up his defensive core. Um, I thought perhaps Ryan Murray would be the one to go here considering the salary, uh, but this is definitely a great value trade for Florida. I don't understand 
why uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets would trade Mutivara out of everybody else. Well, they're clearly just like making space to resign Dubois, but I mean, yeah, as of right now, they only have eight point nine million dollars. They would need to continue to weaken their roster just to sign Hall. Just it just make makes no sense. Du- yeah. Right now, I think they have enough money to sign Pierre Luc Dubois, Gavrikov, and some restricted free agents, and they're good. Further trading of players, especially on their defense considering the uncertainty of a Seth Jones or a Zach Wierenski moving forward is not something I would suggest on their end. But again, uh, something to keep an eye on Matt Murray, uh, Matt Murray, he was already traded. Um, Ryan Murray or uh, David Savard could be the next one out for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, potentially Savard. The trades that... that, Yeah, let's go go for trades. All right. Well, uh, the bomb... I guess the the big bomb, and initially I was not happy about this, but the big bomb, Max Domi in a third round pick uh, for Josh Anderson uh, going to Columbus uh, and then Montreal. Um, it's just gonna be wild. It's it's to me. I think that's a deal that works for both teams. I think the and and then you we have to factor in we're looking at the assets right max domi signed a two-year contract of 5.3 million dollars max domi is a an unrestricted free agent at the end of that deal that is a horrible deal for columbus they could that just goes to show me that they don't believe in the asset they just wanted the potential upside of the value of that asset but they not they're not willing to give assurances to Max Domi long-term. So Max Domi, in my opinion, got the best part of this deal. He gets market value at $5.3 million for the average of his point totals over the last four or five seasons. And he gets to walk into free agency if he feels like he's tired of listening to Tortorella yell in his ear. And that's another thing. Will Max Domi thrive under Tortorella or, you know, cause he, he's, he clearly displayed having friction uh, with the way that Claude Julien utilized him this season uh, Claude Julien is a player's coach. There are a few players that I have met that have had bad things to say about Claude Julien. I have talked to a lot of players who have bad things to say about John Tortorella. So we'll see. I don't know if that is going to work out at all. Uh, but I tell you one thing, Josh Anderson, that will work out in Montreal one way or the other. Uh, he already wants a long-term deal um, somewhere in the vicinity of the four to five million um, I'm, I'm absolutely on board with that. If he can, it's said that he's a hundred percent healthy, uh, and that he would have been ready to go in the second round of these playoffs, uh, had the, had Columbus, uh, beaten, um, Tampa Bay, um, again, and unfortunately they did not, uh, and he was unable to play, but he was in the bubble. So it goes to show you that Anderson is ready physically. And I feel like playing on a top six, if not top nine, uh, with a center like Suzuki or Kakaniemi, I think he would be a great insulation for one of those players. I think that he brings something that the right side doesn't have, which is both speed and size. Uh, and I think he'll fit right in. I think that he's going to help the power play. I think he's going to help at five point five uh, at five at, at five on five, and I think he's going to make the Habs tougher to play against. Uh, but I certainly do not think the Montreal Canadiens are done. No, uh, I have to agree. I didn't like the trade initially. I think I love the Anderson acquisition. I just didn't get the, the point of throwing in the extra third round pick. 
Um, I guess now seeing what Domi signed for. Yeah, exactly. We're saving a bit on cap and we're getting a bigger player. Mm-hmm. I mean, someone that's going to have more of an impact probably on, on the team. Um, but yeah, I like the trade for Montreal. I like the trade for Columbus, except in two years, they're going to lose Domi. I'm almost 100% sure he's going to leave. Uh, another trade we had right before that one was actually Dubnik going to San Jose for a fifth rounder. Yeah, at fifty percent retained. Um, yeah, clearly Minnesota. That's something I don't get. Yeah, clearly Minnesota just wanted to get rid of him. Um, but a fifth round pick for for Dubnik uh, that goes to show me that they think he's finished and they just wanted him off the books. And that's a good little bit of business for San Jose, who realized two years too late. Uh, that perhaps putting all their eggs in one basket with uh, Martin Jones is not Martin the best Jones. idea. That goes to show, I mean, well, it, it, probably Minnesota is going to be in the market for a goalie tomorrow as well. Uh, if not two. If not two. Even, but they could try to go for the, the one of the big ones like Holby or Markstrom, I guess. Not that they, they, they would sign there, but they're certainly in the market for, for one of them. No, absolutely. And I think... You know, they're going to take their shot. They have cap space. Um, you know, they, I, I want to say they went and got centers. They went and got um, centers. Yeah, they went and got uh, Johansson and now Bonino uh, that could potentially fill in on a top nine uh, in the second and third center slot. Uh, they drafted Marco Rossi. Great pick. Uh, if only the Minnesota Wild were run as well as their amateur scouting. Judd Brackett is is just insane, uh, making them draft uh, Kuznodinov and um, Marco Rossi back-to-back. I think that their center line for the future looks very good now, um, but they have a lot of... Se- they have three arguable third-line centers as their top nine centers right now uh, in uh, Eriksson Ek. Uh, Benino and Johansson. So uh, I don't know if they're going into the season like this, Minnesota is going to be drafting Brent Clark uh, next year, this time, if they're not careful. So I, I don't know what's going on with them. Um, Really. I don't, but what I can tell you is they're trying to play the long game and add by subtract. Uh, One thing that hasn't happened yet. Matt Dumba has not been traded. So I look very much forward to what happens because Matt Dumba is saying that there is a solid potential um, for, you know, a, a trade for a center uh, that can come in and play in, on, on their first line. So if a team strikes out on Pietrangelo, if a team strikes out on Tyson Berry, uh, they can definitely circle back on Minnesota. Um, and we were just talking about the Habs uh, and Anderson, uh, David Etegi, which is a, a, a Montreal-known player agent from Westmount, is saying that there's talk about a contract uh, with Josh Anderson in the two- to three-year range uh, going from $2.8 million to $3.5 million per season. And that should be coming in the next few days. So if, if that were the case, for- uh, that would leave yeah. the Canadians upwards of $7 million dollars. Uh, to do what it is with almost seven point five, yeah. Oh, and we have another trade to announce. Holy moly! They just keep coming in. Uh, Eric Goodbranson. That time of the day. Yeah, I know it's a good day. <laughs> wait, wait, I gotta go do my thing again. Trade, 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 trade. Yeah. Eric Goodbranson uh, traded from Anaheim to Ottawa for a fifth round pick. 
Uh, Good Branson is from Ontario. Um, actually, not a bad guy to have uh, from a what's the word I'd be looking for to be polite here from a <laughs> from an attitude perspective. He's a good character dude. Um, questionable defensively. Former third overall pick. Um, but Good Branson is well known in that area. He played in the OHL, I believe, for the Kingston Frontenacs. And uh, you know the guy just is a very mature individual. And with all the young defensemen coming in to Ottawa over the next few years, you know, if we touch on the draft, we're going to talk about Jake Sanderson. Um, they're going to need veteran presence. They can't just have Thomas Shabbat develop into a dad overnight. They're going to need people that know how to play this game. Uh, and if the idea is not to re-sign a guy like Ron Ainsey, well then picking up Eric Branson makes sense. So uh, I'm considering this is a cap dump in the best terms, like we're talking about $4 million a year uh, with, and and the base salary is 3 million. Like he obviously got more of his money last year than, than this year. This is the tail end of his deal, but this is still a, this is a good amount of money that, that the uh, senators are taking on. Um, This is a team that needs to reach the cap floor. Uh, They have, and I, I'm not even kidding, guys. They have $38 million in free space as we speak. Uh, so they have no choice but to start signing some guys and adding some guys uh, because they have all of three forwards, uh, four, sorry, four forwards uh, that played more than 10 games last year that are signed for this year. So I expect movement in Ottawa. And one guy they're probably going to sign soon is newly acquired Matt Murray in net. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which, uh, honestly, for a second round pick and an AHL player, Jonathan Gruden. Yeah, that I, was more for the, look, con- the trade for that was the contract spot that they were. Uh, yeah. It's, they were missing. Yeah. It's just. Um, I just have a seriously difficult time thinking that $4 million a year for one year of a player cost the team a fifth round pick. Uh, I don't know. I, I I honestly thought that Ottawa would be able to extract incentive from moving contracts like this. So good for Ottawa, uh, good for the Anaheim Ducks who are able to just shed four million dollars for the price of a fifth round pick. Note everyone that uh, the Maple Leafs gave Seth Jarvis to the Carolina Hurricanes for the contract of Patrick Marlowe. Let's all remember that. Uh, so if 6.5 was worth a first, I, I thought five, uh, 4 million would be easily worth uh, a little bit more uh, or a little bit less to uh, in, in a price to take back. So we'll see. Um, ultimately, like I said, there's more trades that we have to uncover and more buyouts, but this is a confusing one for Ottawa. Yeah, I have to agree with that one. All right, so should we jump to go yeah. for it? You want to? Should we jump to the draft? Let's make it happen, I mean, shall we? The I, draft. That's what I mean, guys. Ah, damn. <laughs> so I would just like to point out before we start, anybody who followed my mock draft on scrimmage and stats, I was nine for eleven on the first eleven picks. I got the top, which was crazy. Six perfect. So, little tip of the hat. So, pay attention, people. You can save yourself your money. You don't have to pay for elite prospects or hockey prospects. You can just go to scrimmageandstats.com. Yeah. Although, you know, you, you can, can also throw the other guys a couple of bucks. <laughs> like, yeah, you can do both. You can do, both. You can do, you can do all of them. I, but if you want to save some shekels, go to Marco. Yep. 
It's uh, so it's bad. It's uh, so there was a there was a big surprise at number one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. So some 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 kid from Sandu's Dash went number one. Don't know his name. He's really happy yeah. though. Well, I mean, look, we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. But I think uh, can we just talk for a half a second though about how awkward those Zoom meetings were? Yes, <laughs> or not Zoom. Absolutely, <laughs> watching the people uh, just kind of like sit there and like. In, and you wait for their reaction when you know what's about to happen. I found that really weird. Uh, and then you have Seth Jarvis, who looked like he had internet from like 2002 when drafted. It was so pixelated. You thought it was a <laughs> Oh Tron my movie. goodness. Um, and the first thing he said is when he signs his ELC, he's going to buy his parents better internet. That I'm guy must have gotten internet, so yeah. many ribs. But that's why I love Seth Jarvis. He's just a character kid. Just an excellent pick for the Carolina Hurricanes who just continue to kill it on the draft floor. Um, so yeah, number one, Lafreniere, number two, Quinton Byfield, uh, number three, uh, Tim Stutzler, number four, Lucas Raymond, number five, Jake Sanderson, uh, number six, Jamie Drysdale, number seven, and really the surprise for me, uh, in the top 10, uh, was Alexander Holtz. Although this makes sense for the New Jersey Devils because they desperately needed another right shot. Uh, they acquired uh, Nolan Foote in the um, trade with Tampa Bay for Blake Coleman, as, along with a first, which we're going to deal with later, uh, and then uh, secure their right side uh, because they have a team filled, filled, filled with playmakers, but no actual goal scorers. In six months, they acquired two first-round pick goal scorers. So good on them. Um, number eight, to me, was unsurprising. I had Jack Quinn going to the Buffalo Sabres. Um, some people would be confused. This was my surprise, actually. I wasn't surprised at all, at all, I, because I was surprised seeing Quinn going before Rossi. That's I the wasn't, only and point I'll I would, explain I would why. Bring up. They're deep at left wing. They have a lot of left wing prospects. They haven't given up on on middle stat, but they think he's probably going to be a left wing moving forward. They drafted Dylan Cousins last year, seventh overall, who's a big center, right handed shot. Like, you don't move that to the right wing just to accommodate Marco Rossi. So what do they do? They picked the best right-shooting player available, and that was Jack Quinn, and it just made perfect sense. Jack Quinn is a mature player. He plays the game hard. He plays all three zones very well. And I think one of the things the Buffalo Sabres have done in the past is they, they take incomplete players. They take players with glaring holes. They just took a player with no holes whatsoever i think they i think this is the safest first round pick they've made uh outside of the top two or outside of the top three uh so good on them uh i really uh i applaud them for having the guts to take jack quinn ahead of marco rossi um it was a no-brainer to have marco rossi go then uh to the minnesota wilds minnesota and then i believe the winners of the top 10 uh, are the Winnipeg Jets because I had Cole Perfetti ranked f- uh, fifth, sixth, sixth, if I'm not mistaken. So I am a huge fan of Cole Perfetti. I feel like if Cole Perfetti can really work on skating, uh, you have a Claude Giroux in the making. So good on them. And he's gonna play. He's gonna play uh, number two behind Shifley, if he right? Plays so center, yes. And I think that's what they're gonna try center, to make yeah. him do is is be a center. Um, he. It's the same debate for those that are aware. It's the same debate um, in 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 kind to what the Canadians were going through with with Nick Suzuki. Um, 
to me, I don't think it's that clear cut. I think Nick Suzuki was a much better center. Um, Cole Perfetti can be fit wherever he needs to be, but for the purposes of that team, he's a center. Um, now 11th overall, uh, which again, I got this one, uh, was Yaroslav Askarov. Uh, that's unsurprising to me. I think that, um, they, the Nashville Predators have been looking for like the next Pecorine for what feels like seven years. Um, they had UC Saros. I don't think it's, it's going to pan out. Um, they went and got Connor Ingram as insurance uh, from Tampa Bay last year. Yes, he could be good. I don't think he can be great. Uh, and you just got yourself probably the best goalie prospect since Carey Price. So at least Nashville is assured on, on defense. Um, but I thought their most glaring need was a scoring forward. So good on them for picking the best player available. Um, speaking of best player available and, and going over your needs, uh, the Florida Panthers decided to take a nice curveball and select Anton Lundell. Um, but a lot of people are saying uh, Bill Zito, who was a player agent back in the day, uh, spent a lot of time in Finland. Uh, so he has got a lot of contacts in Finland. I think it just made sense. And his acquisition of, of Nutivara makes even more sense now. Another guy that he scouted in the Finnish leagues before uh, being selected by Columbus. So I just it just makes sense all around. Um, so to me, they went and got themselves their future number two center uh, because this guy's going to slot right behind Barkov. Um, 13, we discussed it before, Seth Jarvis. Uh, I think this was a no-brainer for the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, you, there was one certainty. They weren't picking a D. And uh, they picked the best forward available by far. And to me, that's a top 10 talent that fell again to the Carolina Hurricanes, who might find to have the best luck on the draft floor. Uh, at 14, this is kind of telegraphed. And I thought that they would probably go for talent above all. Uh, but I think they were wooed by the combination of size, skill, and speed. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers picked Cole Caulfield's teammate in Wisconsin, uh, Dylan Holloway. And Dylan Holloway is a big, um, hard to knock off the puck, uh, just a very solid player. Um, reminds me in style a lot of Mark Stone, uh, more of a playmaker than a goal scorer. Um, I personally think he's a winger long term. Uh, and I think that was confirmed literally 10 minutes after he was drafted uh, because Ken Holland had a press conference and said he would see him lining up on the wing with one of his top two centers. Uh, so that brings us to pick 15, the pick that stabbed me right in the heart. Uh, Rodion Amarov being taken by the Toronto Maple Leafs, whom had a sublime draft from top to bottom, this is a team that didn't even have a first round pick going into the off season. So like, I, I think the Leafs nailed this draft uh, and they started right from the beginning. Rodion Amarov is on fire in the KHL right now. Um, usually KHL players or especially NHL affiliated KHL players after being drafted are given the cold shoulder and not allowed to really play much uh, in favor of, of longstanding veterans. What we're seeing right now is COVID uh, has forced something north of 15 players on SKA, which is the second best team in Russia, to isolate, allowing all of their youngsters in the MHL to be called up and assume, you know, top six roles, some, you know, opportunities that they wouldn't be afforded generally. 
and here they are producing and Namarov is one of those guys. And I think the Leafs just got themselves a lethal top six player. Um, at 16, uh, I must say that this pick depressed me from a slight perspective, yeah. but in hindsight, 16th overall, Caden Gooley was the right pick. Uh, not the sexiest pick, the right pick. And the reason I explain this to Montreal Canadiens fans, like, what the hell are you talking about, man? They should have picked, you know, it's fine. They could have picked a forward. They probably should have picked a forward. But again, once you get to this point in the draft, Caden Gooley is a top three defenseman in the making. He is a mobile six foot two all around defenseman. The last time the Canadians picked a mobile, smart number three making, you know, possible defenseman uh, ahead of where people thought he would go was 2007. And they picked Ryan McDonough. Other than trading him in a useless trade for Scott Gomez, nobody thinks ill of Ryan McDonough in Montreal or anywhere in the NHL. He just won a Stanley Cup. This is a guy that teams trade multiple first-round picks for if he hits his top potential. In my opinion, I think this means two things for the Montreal Canadiens. One, their left defense is set forever, practically, or for the ne- at least the next five to six years. Number two, I think long-term, they view Matthias Norlander as a right defenseman. He's currently being used on the right-hand side in Frölunda, just finished playing uh, as we got on air here, and he was the most used defenseman, and he's playing on the right. Despite being a lefty, he prefers to play on the right. Uh, He's been playing on the right for two years. So if Matthias Norlander is your number one right D of the future, they just drafted their number one left D of the future, in my opinion. And I think those that combination could be lethal. And then your second pair has a Romanov or a Struble on it. And now you're just banking. Now the Canadians can, and, and, and they did, can focus on forwards and nothing but forwards because their goalie position is secure. Their defense is more than secure. Now they can go and get those home run forwards, which they did. And we'll get to that. Uh, 17th overall, I was a little surprised for this, but this is a good pick. Uh, Lucas Reichel to the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, a lot of people say his game is akin to uh, Mike Hoffman. Uh, I don't see it. He doesn't have the trigger ability. He's he's far more well-rounded. I think he's better defensively right now than Mike Hoffman is. Um, so it's worth noting that he's, he's, he's more of a, an all-around trigger guy. Um, he certainly has a Philip Forsberg style to him. Uh, but I think he ultimately becomes a second line winner. However, I mean, Chicago can use the help. So it, it, it really bodes well for them. And they got a smart, intelligent player whose ceiling is good, but whose floor is extremely high. So th- this is a can't miss pick. Now, this is when things start to get interesting. Um, the 18th overall pick uh, from what I think this was the first like major trade we had, right? The this is when Calgary started trading down over and over and over again. You guys remember that yeah. they traded down twice. I'm like, what what's going on here? Um, so this was the New York Rangers trading up uh, with the Calgary Flames to draft a, a defenseman because I think, and this is what usually happens in a draft is that people are unsure uh, what's going to happen with defensemen and then someone takes one and then everybody rushes for it. And you'll understand why Um, at 18th overall, the Rangers trade up to draft Braden Schneider, 
another defenseman from the WHL, a right defenseman. Uh, he plays a game that's very uh, akin to like a, a Ben Chirot, um, a Brett Pesci style, uh, just very strong, um, good for his pass. Uh, but, you know, really just looks like a a number four, number three if all goes well. Like we were talking about Caden Gooley being a top three. If everything goes well with Caden Gooley, he can be a number two. Likelihood number three, worst case scenario number four. I feel like Schneider is just a step below that. But this is also not a very need-centric pick for the Rangers who have Niels Lundqvist, who have Adam Fox, who have... Uh, you know, Jacob Truba signed for eight years. This was a very confusing pick. However, if we, if we want to get into confusing picks, I mixed up 18 and 19. Uh, the New Jersey devils drafted at 18, my pick for the Canadians, Dawson Mercer. Um, so Braden Schneider went 19th. Dawson Mercer went 18th and Dawson Mercer to me is Jordan Eberle 2.0. I think this is a right winger in the making that is intelligent, does everything right. Uh, his best assets are his hands my girlfriend found that incredibly funny to say out loud, but I'm, I'm, I'm quite serious. Um, he's just very good at stick handling, has a nose for the net, incredibly intelligent, and has the hockey IQ to drive a play. Personally, I was a little sad that the Canadians didn't take the possibly elite forward, uh, but they took the possibly elite defenseman, and we all know the possibly elite defenseman is always worth more than the forward. Speaking of not elite defensemen, uh, the New Jersey Devils at 20 pick Shakir Mukamadulin. Um, I had Shakir Mukamadulin ranked in the second round. Uh, this is one of those guys similar to Rodi and Amarov. They play on the same, uh, they play in the same vicinity. So Shakir plays for Ufa, uh, which is on the same team as Rodi and Amarov. And because of all the COVID cases, this guy was playing like 20 minutes a game in the KHL and no one understood why. Uh, and he racked up like five points in the first six games. He's a six foot four defenseman, 178 pounds, but he moves like the wind. Uh, I really like this pick in the second round. I did not understand this pick at 20th overall. I thought there were far better players on the board. Um, speaking of, and this, this I'm going to tell you guys, this pick here, number 21, was likely the most WTF moment I've ever time. had on the draft floor in my life. Okay. Igor yeah. Chinikov, who is an overager from Russia, who, again, thanks to the benefit of recency bias, scored five goals in his last five KHL games. Uh, Yarmo Kekalainen, the, the general manager for the Columbus Blue Jackets, said they had him in their top 10. Yarmo Kekalainen knows how to scout players, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He was a fantastic scout before becoming a GM. So if he thinks in Omsk, that Chinikov is really going to just explode offensively power to him. But I saw Chinikov as being a potential second line winger. Uh, and this is a 19 year old. So we'll see what happens. Um, the Calgary flames decided they just don't like having first round picks and they traded down again uh, at 22 with the uh, capitals and the capitals, in my opinion, got one of the better steals in the first round drafting Hendricks Lapierre 22nd overall. Uh, Hendricks Lapierre to me is a top 15 talent in this draft. He plays a game that's quite similar uh, in style to a Patrice Bergeron, but a lot of people are saying that's just lazy because they're French Canadian. So if you want me to not be lazy about this and and, then be like, hmm, playmaking center that resembles the style is similar to Ryan Johansson without the power. So he's a pass first guy 
likely never gets 20 goals in the NHL. He's probably going to be a Scott Gomez style, 15 goals, 60 assists. If he hits his maximum and he stays healthy, Hendrix Lapierre's biggest knock is his injury proneness, that it be his two concussions or his, or his nerve issues. Uh, that was definitely a concern. Uh, but when you're playing in the capital system, they already drafted uh, last year in the first round. They drafted a big center um, whose name escapes me right now. I know it's Connor, um, but they essentially went and drafted a big London night center. Um, so there's no pressure here for them when it comes to dealing with him. Connor McMichael is the player I was thinking about for the London Knights. And he had a great season, looks to be a potential number two center. And, you know, now the issue is notwithstanding, they have the forward depth currently lacking on the defensive depth. But when a player of that ilk falls to 22, you have to trade up again. I don't care who you are. Uh, the cost was minimal and it made sense. Um, 23rd overall Tyson Forster. Uh, I had him ranked a little bit later, six or seven picks later, but when you get to this point in the draft, you're going for need. Uh, they wanted a complete goal scorer. Uh, they possibly could have gone Jacob Perot here, but I think they have a little bit more love for Tyson Forster because he plays a more complete game. He simply just needs to get faster, but if he can get faster, he's going to have a similar impact for the flyers that James Van Riemsdyk had before he was traded to Toronto. Uh, this is a guy that could be a 25, 30 goal scorer if he puts it all together. So I think it's a solid pick for the Flyers. Uh, finally, the Carolina, uh, the uh, Calgary Flames were like, okay, fine, we'll stay where we are. And picked 24th overall, uh, Connor Zari. I thought Connor Zari might have gone one or two picks later. But again, once you get to this point in the draft, who cares? Uh, so they went and picked the all-around center. I think this is... Michael Backlund's replacement within two to three years. I think Connor Zari does everything well and nothing great, um, which means that he's your prototypical number two center uh, that can come in and, and help you in a pinch. I think this is good value at 24. And I think the accumulated picks that Calgary got, I think one of them uh, they used, in fact, to draft Jeremy Poirier. Um, yeah, 72nd overall. Uh, yeah, 72nd overall. Um, with the Rangers when drafting uh, Braden Schneider was used to get Jeremy po- uh, Poirier. So getting both Connor Zary and Jeremy Poirier, who many had both going in their top 15 last year this time, I think is excellent value for the Calgary Flames. Um, one guy I was surprised to see go this high, but it's a Halifax Moosehead, so he had to be going to the Avalanche, uh, was Justin Barron. For those that don't get that joke, Nathan McKinnon played for the Halifax Mooseheads and a few other players I've been drafted in that time from Halifax going to Colorado. Um, so let's just say uh, Halifax likes to watch those late evening games. Justin Barron is a very complete defenseman, plays a solid all-around game, great skater. He's 6'2", 195. Um, so you're asking yourself, well, then why is he available 25? Well, his issue, a little bit like LaPierre, is uncontrollable. It's health. Uh, he's got blood clots uh, and had to recently undergo a procedure to fix that issue. Um, I believe it's fixed. And if it is, they just got themselves a top four right-handed defenseman. And we all know how much those guys go for on the market. So I think this is a pretty sneaky pick if everything turns out well. Uh, they drafted Connor Timmins a few years ago, who also had his kind of health issues on the right side. Um, so I think if all the information checked out, I think this was a solid pick. And then we have Jake neighbors going to the St. Louis blues. Um, he's a big power forward style guy. 
potentially a second line left winger with power forward abilities um, with the uncertainty going with, uh, with Tarasenko uh, and the, the lack of really winger depth, especially on the left-hand side. I think this made sense. Um, they could have gone Jakob Perot here uh, or Jacob Perot, but ultimately I think they wanted the sure thing. That didn't seem to bother Anaheim though, who took, in my opinion, the best goal scorer left on the draft floor uh, in Jacob Perot. I think he's an elite goal scoring player. I think a lot of the concerns in his game is in regards to how he can do it consistently. Uh, but if he can bring consistency and a good attitude with him into the future, uh, this is a potential 25, 30 goal scorer again. And when you get that at 27th overall, that's a good draft. The Ottawa Senators uh, from the Islanders uh, in the Peugeot trade uh, selected Ridley Grieg. Um, they seem to have a thing for like second gen hockey players. Ridley Grieg is one of those guys that will probably line up on their third line long term, who will provide energy in the exact same way that Peugeot did. Uh, he plays a very similar game to Peugeot, uh, more of a playmaker than a goal scorer, uh, but he's got a significant amount of growth potential. He's one of the youngest players in the draft, so I would expect big things from him in the WHL next year. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights pick Brendan Brisson, son of player agent Pat Brisson. Uh, he was one of the best players, if not the best player uh, in the U.S. high school system, the USHL. I think that he was fantastic for the top team in the Chicago Steel uh, just really all around solid. Um, I think that he was just a solid pick for them here. He plays that gritty in your face style that the, that the uh, Vegas Golden Knights really like. Uh, and to me, it just, it made sense. I actually had him going higher. So I was a little surprised. Um, at 30, this one broke my heart into a million pieces. Uh, it was Maverick Bork, um, whom I had 18th on my rankings going 30th overall. We know the Montreal Canadiens tried inch, tooth, and nail to acquire this pick so they can draft Maverick Bork. Uh, I think Dallas got themselves an ideal uh, top six forward that he play on the right wing or at center. I think that it all really depends on him. I think their center line, if they wanted it to be this way, can line up being tied to Landry and Maverick Borg down in the future. Uh, if not, he'll make an excellent playmaking right winger. Uh, to me, this just was one of those picks that was high value. Uh, Jacob Perot going to Anaheim, Maverick Borg going to Dallas. Uh, I feel like those are probably in the, and then Hendricks Lapierre going to uh, Washington. I think those were the three best picks in the twenties personally. Uh, well, sorry, the last 11 picks. Uh, and then at 31, you have Ozzy Weisblatt. Uh, I really like the, the, the touch here where the pick was made with, with a sign language at the end. Uh, in in honor of Ozzy's mom, who is who's deaf. Um, as a hockey player himself, Weisblad is just like he's just a rocket on the ice. He plays a very similar game, in my opinion, to a Paul Byron at the same age. He could potentially top out as being a top six right winger with exceptional speed, uh, and I think that's what the I think that's what San Jose really needs is more speed. Uh, and here is a time where they're probably going to be able to add a ton of it, and they actually did in the later rounds, but. Before you knew that Ozzy Weisblatt was off the board and that made the most amount of sense. And that was the first round, honestly, a pretty volatile first round, but all things considered in the middle of a pandemic, what a fun little thing to be a part of. I think this was a, a really cool event. 
I think that uh, that covers it for the draft, guys. I think so. I think so. Um, any last words you want to add in, Adam? Uh, all good for me. The first round was pretty good. I, I guess we'll get to, to more in-depth uh, draft coverage in the future weeks, right? We'll, we'll touch on uh, what the Habs drafted, but uh, as of now, I think I, I'll have to agree with Marco. My, my surprise of round one was re- really Andrix LaPierre going 22 uh, to the Washington Capitals. Any final thoughts, Marco, before we tag out for the show? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun to talk about how the rest of the draft played out for other teams on, a, on another episode. And then obviously we're going to cover uh, the impending free agent frenzy and the consequences of that. So I'm looking forward to it. But I will tell you this. Uh, congrats to the NHL over the last three months. I think they nailed it. I know. <laughs> it sounds sad saying it, but yeah, really. Like, I mean, we've been we've been antagonizing the NHL for many a year, but honestly, in the pandemic, they really stepped up their medal. So congratulations, people. You've done great work. And there's been great work right here on this episode of The Hockey Flow. And I want to encourage you to go ahead and follow us on Twitter at The Hockey Flow. That's D-A-H-O-C-K-E-Y-F-L-O-W. And of course, you can follow us. Uh, well, follow specifically Marco at ScrimmageStats.com and of course at The Hockey Expert. And you could check out Adam's work at Really Adam B. My name is Adrian Cordero. We will catch you guys, gals, and non-binary pals next week. Next week.